This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of But God Can, How to Stop Striving and Live Purposefully and Abundantly, written and narrated by Becky Kaiser and is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. Welcome to the Grace Enough Podcast. I am your host, Amber Cullum, and this week I sit down with Deborah Wallace. We discuss the betrayal she experienced in her marriage, how scripture memorization gave her strength and courage, and the way she comes alongside women experiencing betrayal trauma who need encouragement and hope that they will experience joy again. As I mentioned, you will hear Deborah speak about the vital role scripture memorization played in the latter part of her 12-year journey of betrayal trauma. One of today's sponsors makes scripture memorization easy. Do you want to memorize scripture? Me too, but I struggled with daily practice until I discovered Dwell differently. Dwell helps you memorize one verse each month by taking the first letter of every word in a verse, stringing them together in a cool design, and providing the design as a temporary tattoo, on a key tag, and a 4x5 card. How awesome is that? Everywhere you go, you're reminded of the verse you're memorizing. Each month, you get a kit in the mail. Members also get a digital kit with screensavers and downloadable coloring sheets. The best part is that people are always asking you what your tattoo means. It's an easy way to share your faith. And the verses can be memorized alone, with friends, and with family of all ages. That's what I love, memorizing the monthly verse with my children. Find them at dwelldifferently.com, at dwelldifferently on Instagram and Facebook, or take a listen to their podcast by searching for Dwell Differently on your favorite podcast player. Good morning, Deborah. Thank you so much for joining me for the Grace Enough podcast today. Thank you for having me. I uh, appreciate the honor and privilege to be here. Yeah, I mean, I love to share people's stories and just the way God works in people's lives. And so as we jump into today's conversation, will you take a moment, introduce, you know, yourself, your family and tell everybody a little bit about what you do. I live in San Antonio, Texas. I'm a single parent with two young adult children. Uh, I write to validate and encourage women who have experienced a sexual betrayal And I try to help them overcome shame and secrecy so that they can pursue hope and healing. And I try to point them to Jesus to show them that he is their protector, provider, and living hope. Presently, I'm leading a wives care support group at my church. I work for a ministry called Be Broken, which helps men, women, and families move from sexual brokenness to wholeness in Christ and equips others to do the same. And currently I'm also writing a book, Lord willing, it will get published this year. So I have a exciting, (laughs) I'm excited too. Is it going to be primarily around your story? Yes. uh, My story. And then um, addressing all of the topics that would concern a betrayed woman and how to heal and what worked for me. And I especially 
talk a, a lot about how scripture memorization was so key to when I say it out loud and speaking um, confirmation or affirmation over me, how that really was a pivot in my healing. Well, as your story gets started, I always love to lay a bit of a foundation of how someone did begin walking with Jesus. And so if you'll just briefly share, um, what is your testimony with your relationship with Christ? I have been a Christian for many years and I came to know Jesus when I was 12 years old at a Sunday school rally for youth. Um, I accepted him as my savior then, but really it was into adulthood before I truly desired him to be Lord of my life in addition to savior. Yes. That's a familiar, familiar <laughs> story for me as well. It did happen for me more in college, which I consider one of the greatest mercies of my life, but, um, yeah, exactly the same. Yeah. So we'll take our listeners back to your life when you were a young wife and mother and tell everybody, how would you have described you and your family? I got married a little later, uh, so I wouldn't say I was a young mother, <laughs> but um, the first 10 years of my marriage, I would say were blissful. Um, soon after our first year of marriage, our son was born and we had been concerned that, you know, marrying later in life might prevent us from conceiving, but mm -hmm. we were thrilled to love on our baby. And then um, having an additional sibling for our son would be a blessing um, to complete our family. But over the next few years, we had three miscarriages mm -hmm. and emotionally, these were, you know, hard on me, but I participated in a support group at church while I grieved over those losses. But we kept trying for another baby. And five and a half years later, our little girl was born. So we didn't know her sex until birth. So yeah. uh, we were celebrating and buying anything pink that we could find. <laughs> <laughs> we were happy. So uh, just after a period of, you know, sadness and grieving the sweetness of our relationship resumed and I love being a mom I still do I enjoy each phase of my yeah. kids um, it's exciting and a blessing to watch them grow and mature into uh, young people who are grounded and firm in their faith oh that's awesome so they're five years apart your oldest is a boy Yes. He's 23 tomorrow. He'll be. Oh, yeah. my oldest son turned 11 yesterday. Okay. So they're really <laughs> close together. Well, at least in date. That's awesome. And then, so your daughter, are, is she in college right now? Uh, she's a junior in high school. She's got okay. one more left. And then, um, yes, she's wow. seven, 17 now. So 10 years into your marriage, um, you found out some things that were completely unexpected. That really was a huge blow to your family. Um, what happened? Tell us a little bit about that time in your life. Well, um, a day came when I noticed that something in our marriage wasn't quite right. I wasn't exactly sure when it started, but things had been changing for a few months. My husband kind of became distant and he seemed caught up with problems at work. He spent less time with our kids and uh, normally he would always have devotions in the morning, but I noticed that the Bible was on the shelf <laughs> and wow. that that had ended. Um, being away from home was normal. He traveled for work a lot and he spent time at the gym because at the time he was training for a triathlon. Mm. So we had been married for 10 years without any you know, major conflicts or anything, but just in a matter of a few seconds, 
it was an October day. Uh, we had planned a zoo outing with my daughter. Um, my world came crashing down. I uh, was in the bathroom with her, putting her hair up in a ponytail and uh, he had left his phone in the bathroom and it buzzed and we both looked at it and uh, just in a matter, I mean, I just had to read the text and I knew exactly what was going on. And so I confronted him. Um, that day. Him, yeah, immediately. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was so, I was, I couldn't be angry and confused and just in shock, I guess. But I, um, I brought him the phone and I asked him what was going on and, and he denied it had a, an excuse of who it was or something, but there was no way. I mean, I would have loved to have believed it was a mistake, but the evidence was right there. And I demanded to know the truth. And so he confessed to having same-sex affairs. And so when he confessed to that in that moment, was it a confession that had any repentance with it? Or what did kind of those next couple months look like? Yeah. Um, well, I, in my mind, I thought, okay, all this could mean was divorce. Mm. And so that was just my thinking. And, um, you know, a few days in, he said, you know, I will do whatever it takes to keep our marriage together, to keep our family intact. I want healing. I, you know, want to recover from this. He immediately went into counseling and it took me a while to just absorb it all and figure out, you know, what's going on. <laughs> but I too, you know, wanted our marriage to work, but I, it was just quite confusing. I'd have to say um, the next months and years uh, were very lonely. I kept it a secret because it was so shameful <laughs> to me. Um, I didn't think anyone would understand and I didn't want anyone else to know. So I, I didn't tell anybody. No one on my side of the family knew anything until just a couple of years ago. I went home from my dad's funeral without my husband and then it kind of all came out. Um, this was after we had separated. Well, and I know that you ended up staying married for quite a long time after this discovery. Mm -hmm. And so he's in counseling you're trying to make it work all alone. I mean, yes, God is there, but we know God gives us community for a reason. Mm -hmm. I, that whole thing of God is enough makes me crazy because I'm like, yes, that is true. But the reason why he gives us community is because he knows we need the physical presence of people and interaction in order to thrive. Mm -hmm. um, what is he doing during this time? So he gets counseling. Does he stop? He continues with counseling and he, he joined a men's support group for sexual brokenness. He seemed to be doing all the right things, but perhaps it was just to pacify me because mm -hmm. as the years went by, um, I would discover something else and then we'd have to start over from ground zero. You know, I was like riding a roller coaster of hope and despair. Mm. I believe my husband when he said he wanted healing and recovery, but then each time I realized another betrayal had happened, we had to start rebuilding trust, forgiving again. It yeah. was just constant like that. And um, I waited, I think, three years before I went to a counseling office and they were not equipped to help me. It was kind of like, uh, what are you still doing with him? <laughs> Most yeah. women would have left by now. A dog returns to his vomit, 
you know, yeah. they just didn't give me any hope. So um, I kind of left still feeling helpless and hopeless, but I did find a wives care group that uh, it did help me some part of it that was discouraging was that <laughs> we were all called co-addicts, which I didn't understand because we had all been through a trauma and I don't think that label should have been given to us. And a lot has improved in yeah. over the years in understanding that it is a betrayal. It's a trauma and addressing it as such so that women can heal. So they call you a co-addict because they're saying you're enabling the behavior. Yes. It was called a COSA group, co-dependent, maybe co-addict or co-dependent of sexual addiction. Okay. So, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can tell that. I mean, I, I'm like, really, because I, I'm fortunate to at least see more trauma informed care in lots of different capacities at this point. And that definitely makes me really grateful. Oh, me too. Absolutely. Yeah, Cause that's really, that's really traumatizing. It's like re-trauma. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was harmful to a lot of women, but at least we did have each other and um, could relate, you know, yeah. that we weren't alone. I, I still did feel a little isolated because I think I was probably one of 20 or so women that my husband had same sex issues. Everyone else, it was heterosexual That's relationships. Right. So I still did feel a little out of place, but um, enough shame that I, I wouldn't admit to that part of it. Yeah. But well, that's um, the thing. So you're a part of this group, but do they even, they don't know that your husband is in and same sex affairs. Is that correct? Correct. Okay. And so how long did you stay in this relationship with your husband before you finally said, I'm done? It all started happening in 2007. I kind of rode the roller coaster till about 2013. And then I started understanding more about gaslighting and other other symptoms. And that's also when I started memorizing scripture and saying it out loud and started being assertive and standing up for myself. Yeah. Um, one of the verses, the first verse that I claimed over myself was Proverbs 31, 25. Mm -hmm. I am clothed in strength and dignity. I can laugh about the future. And at the time, I was not strong at all. I was very weak. <laughs> Dignity, I felt like a doormat and I knew I was a doormat and I couldn't do anything about it. That's I felt helpless and uh, laughing about the future. I had many sleepless nights, um, a lot of nausea, couldn't eat, a lot of crying. <laughs> oh, um, it definitely took a toll on my body, but I was determined to hold it together for the kids and just desperately trying to keep everything together. But I did feel unloved and alone during those 12 years. What are dads made for? Hmm. I've been asking myself the same question. Author Amanda Glass, creator of the Made For book series, helps kids and dads answer that question. That's what dads are made for is more than just a fun book with cute pictures. It's one that creates conversations that build meaningful connections. This Father's Day, help your kids connect with dad as they discover together. Oh, that's what dads are made for. For kids three and up, just $9.99 when you order now at themadeforbooks.com. You start memorizing scripture, but mm -hmm. you're also just, you know, you are a believer at this point. You've been a believer for a while. So what were some of those conversations with Jesus like during those 12 years as you're, 
because I know what it's like to memorize scripture. And then I know what it is to actually believe it's true and to apply it to your life. Mm -hmm. And so can you tell the listener a little bit about how you started actually experiencing some transformation over that period of time? Yes. Uh, I'd have, I have to preface this to say that this was my second marriage. The first one also ended due to infidelity. And so After my first divorce, I had had a crisis of faith after uh, my first marriage ended, believing that if my husband no longer loved me, then God didn't love me either. And I didn't want to remarry. Um, You know, I was done (laughs) with men. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But as God began to heal me, I got to a point of healing where I told Jesus, you know, this is up to you. If it's in your will, for me to remarry, then I was open to it, but it had to be all God's doing. I wasn't going to pursue anything. So then after meeting um, my husband, I, I fully believed it was God orchestrated, God ordained. Um, it became confusing as to why God would allow it to happen a second time. And I believe the lie then that I was the common denominator, that something must be wrong with me for this to happen twice. Mm. But a husband who chooses to view porn or cheat on their wives usually has issues long before, you know, ever getting married. Absolutely. I had to learn that I wasn't the cause of my husband's issues. I had to learn that I'm responsible for my own actions, but not for what other people choose to do. Mm. So I would say early on after discovery, I, I did have a lot of questions, you know, why God, what's my purpose in life here? What am I supposed to be doing? Um, just seeking him for direction. I had been, you know, too ashamed to tell anyone, but um, finally after, you know, getting some help, uh, it's, it's funny, but well-meaning Christians would uh, say things that weren't always helpful. You know, God hates divorce. (laughs) You need to forgive him no matter what you need to forget, you know? So I had lots of different emotions, you know, guilt, shame. I was feeling, you know, isolated, weary, crazy, (laughs) but mostly just really confused and sad. Over the 12 years, we tried every possible avenue for healing, counseling, support groups. We did an intensive weekend in Colorado Springs. We took a dynamic marriage class, really whatever was available, we tried. And so when did the scripture memorization kind of enter in, in that process? That was like, I started in 2013. Okay. And I mean, did you start committing like one very regularly? Did you do something specific? Yes. uh, I was in a Bible study. And um, in addition to the Bible study, they challenged us to memorize two scriptures per month, which is not a lot. But at the end of the year, you have 24 scriptures that you really know. So that's what I did. And so as I memorized each one and said it out loud over myself, I think it does something to your brain where you start believing it. Because before it was like, okay, I believe that it's true for the Bible study ladies, but I don't know if that's really true for me. But I started to believe it and I started getting stronger. And as I was healing more and more, I think his issues were getting worse and worse. I could you know, I saw more red flags and, um, you really were already becoming more of a separate entity, yes. would you say? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So after trying all those different things, I think it was January of 2018. I finally 
uh, just gave him, we had, I mean, I had set boundaries that just, it was not working. He would go around the boundaries somehow, you know, if, if we put parameters or software on computer, he'd just buy another computer, you know, (laughs) so stuff like that. It just, nothing was working. So I finally just said, look, if, if you don't check yourself in to a facility um, for sexual brokenness, then you can no longer live in this home with our mm-hmm. family. Still, he agreed to do that. Wow. With our, yeah. But as each month passed from January on, uh, he had another excuse why he couldn't go. And so we, we shared a, a cabin in New Mexico. So for the summertime, my family would usually go up there. So I went up there and had a, a lot of alone time for about three months. And I just sought the Lord. It's like, I want your will, Lord. I think I know where this is headed, but I want to be absolutely sure, you know, intervene if there's Mm -hmm. still hope or if I need to stick with it, but just give me clear direction. And he was so faithful and good to show me that it was okay to move on. So when I came home the end of August, that's when I filed for divorce and he expected me to, and um, really, I don't think had any desire or intent to go into rehab. Oh yeah. And so the kids at this point, do they kind of know what's going on or is it still mainly just mom and dad are not really getting along? Kind of all that was really said to my daughter was that there had been some lying and nothing else. So she had a lot of questions as the months went on, you know, it's like, he just lied to you. Did you have to kick him out for just lying? You know, Mm. she didn't really understand. So we talked and um, I had to explain that the line did include disloyalty in our marriage. And then Mm -hmm. I think she started figuring it out that there had been, you know, infidelity. And um, I think my son, all he knew was that there had been some porn use. Yeah, because he was older and has a little bit more of a understanding of that at that time. Well, so you get out of the marriage and really very few people still know that that it's due to infidelity with same sex. And so you're still living in a little bit of that secrecy, right? Mm -hmm. When do you get to the point where you break that silence and you start kind of pressing into, wow, there's a lot more women out there who are walking this path than I realize. Uh, well, it kind of came out in the open. Like I said, when I went home for my dad's funeral, mm-hmm. we had just been separated for a few months then, but my siblings wanted to know what was going on. And I had a cousin that kind of shared with them because she, I had shared with her. And so looking back, my family was so supportive. I, mm-hmm. I sh- should have reached out sooner, but that was something that I, I just held back. I, my parents were elderly and I just thought it would maybe bring more shame to them. And I didn't want that to happen, but um, they never did find out because they both passed away in 2019. So they mm-hmm. never did, which is okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Saves you some pain. Well, saves them some pain. Yeah. But his family um, has been very supportive of me. And I think God just gave me courage to start, you know, I had been silenced or felt like I had, you know, been silenced or stifled for all those years. And now God had given me something to comfort other women. And I became just passionate, not wanting anyone else to walk alone Mm -hmm. like I had. And 
to encourage them to get help sooner than what I did. You know, you learn from your mistakes. So I'm just here to, you know, encourage and validate women and um, hopefully provide some hope that whether a marriage succeeds or not, you can still, if you have a relationship with the Lord, you can still have joy again. Mm. It's not over. (laughs) I think people in, in the very beginning of betrayal is like, okay, my life is over. You know, that's what I thought too. It's like, nothing's ever going to get better. This is the most horrible thing that could happen to me. And, but I'm, I guess, living proof that it does get better. And that's right. Well, and that's the thing, right? I, there are so many different experiences where we feel that way. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's very slowly taking the next step. Yep. You know, and so when you gather with those women, because um, you say you you have some support groups, and then what's the name of the organization you said you're working for? Be Broken Ministries. Be Broken Ministries. And so do you all mm-hmm. meet in person or are those with women worldwide? It is worldwide, worldwide right now. Um, we go, we have Zoom. They offer a six-week course just to help women get their feet back under them, you know, and then... After they complete the six-week course, they can join a private Facebook group and have uh, more support and prayer. And we have a monthly touch point meeting where we check in and see how everybody's doing. So that's kind of an ongoing thing. And then they offer like three classes of women each quarter. So four times a year, women can sign up for classes. But there are lots of other, you know... Facebook groups, online communities that are free that women can get support. And I'm leading one at my church right now. That's also by Zoom until, you know, COVID, it's COVID safe or whatever. I know. We're getting there, right? (laughs) Right. We're getting closer. Even on Zoom, though, you can develop some real intimacy and um, get to know women and support each other. I think it's been a blessing for everyone. Yeah. Well, so do you work in this space that's primarily supporting women that have been same-sex betrayed? Have you found that community to be be very large? I've found that a lot of them, same as me, don't speak out because it is shameful. These groups, really, there isn't a requirement. It's just, uh, I mean, there's all different kinds of betrayal, but it still is just as painful It doesn't matter what kind of betrayal, if it's porn use or prostitutes or same sex, whatever it is, you still have the same kind of healing that needs to take place. But through all these groups, I have found many women (laughs) who husbands have same sex issues. So when they realize that that's what I went through, then more of them reach out to me. Absolutely. Somebody who's lived through it. Yeah, I think that's what I wanted most when I first found out. It's like, is there somebody, is there a book out there where someone has lived through same sex issues and survived, you know, um, and I couldn't find anyone at the time. So although my the book that I'm writing addresses, you know, just betrayal and helping all uh, women who've experienced betrayal, I don't leave out that same sex because I want to make sure that no one walks that alone for sure. Absolutely. Well, so if there is somebody listening today and they're thinking, okay, she's describing me um, and I need help. Like, Mm -hmm. what would you like to say to her? Well, I think before 
a woman can really move forward in healing, they have to realize, I call these the four C's. The first C is that she is not the cause. Um, Nothing she said or did caused him to act out. He chose this on his own. Mm -hmm. So we just need to release the blame that we've placed on ourselves. We are not to blame. It is not their fault. (laughs) Uh, The second C, she can't control her husband. Uh, We cannot make choices or tell them what to do. It's up to them to seek help for their issues. I think there's a hypervigilance that happens because we just, we want to know the truth and we want to be safe. So we try to control their behavior, try to check up on them. And initially, I think that's very normal behavior but we don't want to keep living that way because it just will make you crazy. So as you heal, you learn to give up those kinds of behaviors, you know, Mm -hmm. trying to control them. And then the third C, you cannot cure him. We have to know that we are not their savior. Only by the power of the Holy Spirit can a heart be changed. So um, she can't make him better. He's got to realize that Jesus is the only one who's going to satisfy the desires of his heart. Yeah. So a lot of prayer. That's what we can do. (laughs) And then the the last C is just that she can choose her own healing. And I'd advise, you know, finding a counselor who understands betrayal trauma that can help her. Um, Anyone who is APSATS trained, uh, that's the Association of Partners of Sex Addicts Trauma Specialists. Okay. (laughs) kind of a mouthful, but um, anyone who has those initials after their name understands betrayal trauma. So you could Google that. So what's it? Yeah. What's it? Say it again for us. It's A-P-S-A-T-S. All right. I'll now make sure to write that in the show notes as well. um, Okay. Because sometimes, yeah, you just, you you don't know where to begin. Some people just don't know where to begin or it's so overwhelming. You don't know where to begin. Mm -hmm. So. And that's not to say other counselors don't understand it either, but if they do have those, that training, then they definitely understand. Yeah. Um, also finding a wives care support group. I've got research resources on my website. If, if they need that, if she can't find one locally or in her church, you know, there's lots of online groups that meet. So yeah. it, it's not quite as personal as being there in person, but it's still, I think it's well, and next. I think, yeah, I think things like that too, that I've learned just in this COVID season is you do have to give online a little bit more time to really make that personal connection. So you really got to give yourself at least six weeks to even start feeling like yeah, you, you've really made a deep connection. And so I always encourage people with any online group, like hang in there, show up for at least yeah. six weeks and press in. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what, um, let everybody know where they can find you. If there is someone listening who wants to specifically connect with you. I have a social media presence on Instagram and Facebook. My Instagram handle is B E E. And then that lower line, I don't know what you underscore B E E underscore of good cheer. And then Facebook is Deborah Wallace writes. And then my website where I, I post a couple times a week is deborahwallace.org. Yeah. And it's Deborah as in D-E-B-R-A. Correct. Wallace.org. Yes. I always like to point those little things out because my mom's a Deborah too. And so, (laughs) yeah. And not very many people spell it the short way, but um, yeah. I mean, Deborah, thank you so much for being here 
today and just the way that you walk with women through this process, because it is a much needed area that uh, many of us just don't understand. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm just grateful for your voice and for what you're doing. Thank you. I just want to reiterate that Jesus, you know, he is our living hope. And um, if you are a listener that's been waiting to get help, don't wait any longer. Yeah. Amen to that. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. As episode 122 comes to a close, I want to encourage you to visit graceenoughpodcast.com. There you will find links to the resources Deborah mentioned under the show notes tab. You will also find links to books and resources I recommend, Grace Enough podcast shirts that help me cover the cost of producing the show, and 10 free scripture prayers to calm your heart. You can also find my contact information and speaker page. I love hearing from you, so please reach out. Thank you for listening to the Grace Enough Podcast. Tune in next time.